Hey guys, today on the Launchpad Pod, we are talking about the brand new It movie. Rocketeers went and saw it, and we came out with very different opinions on it. So if you haven't seen that movie, this episode is full of spoilers. We talk specifically about the scenes, specifically about the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want it ruined, maybe check out one of our earlier podcasts and come back and listen after you've seen the movie. So we're going to hash that out today. But first, big shout out to Jason Evil Covelli. He's an artist on Instagram who does some really cool stuff. He drew a logo for us, and he does some uh, live videos of him drawing his badass art. Uh, we love hearing from him. Uh, big shout out to the 20th Century Geek guys. Super cool guys from the Britpod scene. We love hearing from all of our fans. You can hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod, and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. And now... It's time to take a trip to the sewers with this week's Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hi, Rumi. And Rumi the Clown. What are you doing in that sewer, Mr. Clown? <laughs> the script blew me down here. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like popcorn and poop down there. All right, but watch my arm get long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here at the launch pad. We are talking about the new It, Stephen King's It, the remake. The I guess it's it's almost I guess it's a remake because it was made as a miniseries first, but is that qualified as a remake if you change the medium? The theatrical first part of the It movies. God, I'm all, don't even already get me started. We saw this last week. We saw it the first Friday that you possibly could. We were with a group of about nine other people. We were sitting two seats away from each other. There was one person and a world between us. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. I came out, like, really into it. But, Rumi, what about you? I hated it. I like hate might be a strong word. It really did not do it for me. Overall, to to try to like pinpoint it and be more specific than just be like, I hated it. It didn't function for me as a horror movie. And it should have, which is I think why I am taking it almost personally. It's true. That's a good word for it. You did definitely you are taking it kind of personal. And and I'm taking it personal that you don't like this movie as much as I did because I was Super into it. I was way into this movie. First of all, let's get on the same page with what, what worked. If anything for you, what worked? All right, so before we even get too deep into that, let's tell everyone, like, this is going to be a spoiler episode. We, if you oh. haven't seen it yet. This is, yeah, Vader's Luke's dad's spoiler-rific <laughs> Rama. And just in case you don't know what the hell is going on, this is the new 2017 Stephen King's It, directed by Andy... Mushietti? How do you say his name? Mushietti? Mushi, Mushi. <laughs> he did Mama, right? Mm-hmm. I want, did he write Mama? Let me look. I'm looking it up. He's a weird looking fellow. I can see why he had this weird thing about everyone's eyes looking in different directions. <laughs> oh, shit. He's tapped for the pre production for Lock and Key TV series. I know. Oh, but that makes me so sad. I'm worried now. <laughs> I know. He did it. He did Mama. That's all he did for for writing, uh, for directing. Writing, he wrote Mama as well. Well, here's something that, that right off the bat is an interesting thing to bring up, is that Hollywood loves tapping these. You did one thing. You did one thing good. All right, buddy. Here's a gigantic property. Sure. Make it great. 
and we're the whole time producers are going to be like get their fingers in it and shit. So like I think that that right off the bat that is a tough strike against him. And knowing that, I feel he did as best as basically a second time director could do with this property. Okay, fair enough. That that's that almost gives it a little credence in my mind where I'm like, okay, the reason you didn't do amazing is because you haven't done it yet. Like you've only done one other big movie. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen Mama, but you have, and you've mentioned some stuff yeah. about it to me. Yeah, Mama is a movie about two little feral girls they find in the woods, and they're being stalked by a, a ghost mom that has been like protecting them, but then gets kind of jealous of her new foster parents. And anytime you see the Mama ghost, you know it gets really creepy, and then goes Wah! and like runs at you, runs at the screen, which which is apparently like it's 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 more or less my main criticism of it. Yeah, it could could not end a scene without throwing a clown at you. <laughs> how did, spoiler alert, again, how did that movie kind of wrap so up? So at the end of Mama, the two little girls are fighting on a cliff with the ghost, and one Like little two girls against the ghost? Well, the ghost is trying to take them to Ghost World with her, or like, you know, like go to the afterlife with the girls. Like, she's like, I want to have you forever. I want to take care of you forever. And they're, they're, you know, one of the little girls is like, no, I want to go back with my living, non-rotting flesh parents. <laughs> and the other one is like, take me, let's do this. I'm, you know, she was, even though they're like little girls, I'm like four or five or something, it's yeah. like this one's going through her goth phase, you know, her Lydia Dietz phase. <laughs> and she goes with the ghost mother. And, and they disappear. And, and then the sun rises, and, they're, and, and the living parents and the living girl are like, oh, we're all happy. And then the credits roll, and I'm like, wait, wait a fucking second. In five minutes, the cops are going to show up and be like, uh, where's your other adopted daughter? What are the parents going to say? Like, um, ghost mom got her? <laughs> Where did they adopt them from? Uh, some adoption agency was like, hey, we like found... Like someone's van? They're like, <laughs> hey, you want some kids? They're like, is anything wrong with them? They're like, no. <laughs> No, there's no, like, emotional or spiritual issues with them. They're like, no, they're fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then, yeah, you're co the cops come later and are like, uh, didn't you get these, like, a buy one, get one? <laughs> we, we're pretty sure our, our records show you had two children at some point. They would take away the other girl and they would be in jail. That movie does not have a happy ending. You just don't see the sad ending That's happened. the sequel, Mama 2, has nothing to do with Mama. It's just like the, the legal procedures involved in them trying to keep the second kid. The sequel is just a spiritual ghost <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> do you think they could bring Mama back as like a witness? <laughs> and that I'm going to remind you, please refrain from jumping and screaming <laughs> yeah. at the jury. Please do not run at the jury in stop frame animation screaming. <laughs> Uh, and that, my friends, is what we call a tangent. We're reviewing the movie It. <laughs> but uh, It's fuck, a two-for-one. It's Mama and It. <laughs> I'd watch a movie called Mama It. Mama It. So back to It. So Okay, so, so it did a couple things well. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it sounds so fucking stupid to have to say it, but, like, it had a beginning and a middle and an end. But I feel like I walk out of so many movies and I'm like, that wasn't a story. Like yeah. there are a lot of like weird B movies that we've watched that don't go anywhere. Mm. They 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 just show people and then things happen and and then the credits roll. Right. This definitely had conflict and it had resolution and and pretty big stakes for the people involved. I didn't know this going into this movie. This movie, uh, it this one is just about the children. Yeah. It's not about the current 
quote-unquote current adults, where both the original book as well as the original miniseries bounce back and forth between the quote-unquote present, which is the grown-ups, mm-hmm. and their flashbacks. That being said, I, I think we're on the same page when we say the kids were good actors. For a movie with a bunch sure. of kids in them, they did a great job. I, I, you know, They had great emotion. They had range. They were really funny. Like, yeah. I, I know a lot of times throughout the whole movie, there are some pretty solid jokes. Like, it, it's very clever writing. It's been called, a lot of people are saying it's like Stand By Me, mm-hmm. but darker, like a horror Stand By Me. Right, right. Which I, I think is apt. Yeah. Uh, it's been compared a lot to Stranger Things. Well, because the, the kid in Stranger Things is the kid sure, in the movie. But also you have... Stranger Things, I felt, had a little bit more heart, and I might just feel that because it did it first. I think we're going to see mm-hmm. a lot of knockoffs mm-hmm. of Stranger Things in the next five, ten years. Yeah. Uh, this is, I think, just the first and the biggest and also the most blatant pull from it. Mm-hmm. It did it successfully, but in my mind, that doesn't negate that it's ripping off Stranger Things. But Stranger Things is an homage to Stand By Me, The Goonies, and all of Stephen Correct. King. Correct. Stranger Things, in my opinion, Stranger Things is an homage to those things. Absolutely. It is a ripoff of Stranger Things. I don't think oh. when they sat, you know what I mean. So you're saying it's a copy of a copy. Yes, so I, in my opinion. Where Stranger Things was like, did you you like Stranger Things? Loved it. Yeah. So Stranger Things to you is the successful homage to the Stephen King era '80s movies. Sure. And it, instead of going back to the original source and making a Stephen King movie, is making a copy of Stranger Things, which right. is making a copy of Stephen right. King. Right. And this is my opinion, but yeah. in my opinion, Stranger Things. The, the the filmmaker or the you know TV makers, but the filmmakers said the Duffer Brothers. Yes, they they and and them and crew were like, let's make a love letter to the past in that terms. Let's let's dive into the first scene real quick. We got the boat. It goes under the ground. We meet the clown for the first time. I really liked this scene for two reasons. Mm-hmm. I thought the eyes changing color was unnecessary. Agreed. But I liked when we saw the teeth. I thought that that was such a uh, uh, an update to see the gnarly, crazy teeth, and then he, he bites this kid's arm off, and you see a kid with a ripped-off arm bleeding in the streets before he gets dragged under. And I I love it when movies go there, especially when putting children in harm's way, because a lot of times they shy away from actually ripping a kid's arm off or whatever. Yeah, Rumi's always been a big proponent of ripping off children appendages. <laughs> 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 That's the one thing he says coming out of most horror movies like, too many kids with all their arms. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. And I do, there's a fine line of doing, and well, I mean, was a fine line of, of, of doing things to be shocking, doing things to be different, or doing things to be like, look, we went there. Yeah. Kids is a big one of those. But I feel like if you have the balls to fuck up a kid in your movie, especially when it's about a fucking evil force that kills kids. Yeah. There's, again, you can make arguments for how much of that you need as the audience. You need to see mm-hmm. how much can be implied and what's the more effective way to craft a horror. But I agree that scene should set the tone for the whole movie. That scene, I agree with you. I did not like the eye change. But otherwise, I liked it a lot. They did some stuff in that that are from the book that was not in the miniseries, yep. which I thought was good. You and I, I guess, start on different paths for that movie when we see those teeth. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that is Hollywood being like, well, the first movie had teeth, the uh, miniseries had teeth. We need to put more teeth because it's 30 years later. And you're like, no, I am not going to be scared by the amount of teeth, especially, and again, this might just be me. That wasn't a freaky image to you? 
No, because I've seen it. Not only have I seen it, I've seen it in Stranger Things within the last 365 days, which through the course of this movie, I will continue to, in my mind, keep being like, well, this is like Stranger Things. This is like Stranger Things. Now you're taking your antagonist and giving me a direct visual cue to Stranger Things, which again, even on a more personal level, the one thing in Stranger Things that I didn't think was great was the amount and usage of the CG creature in, in Stranger Things. But Stranger Things was crafted so well that I was like, you know what? It would have been real hard to make that creature look better. So, granted. Do, do this, you just think they shouldn't have shown what he transforms into that early? No, because I'm pretty sure in the original, they just had dentures in, 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 in Tim Curry's mouth. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he does it at least three or four times in the movie where he kind of looks up towards the ceiling and goes, ha, ah, and his, he's got either sharp teeth, like a piranha-type mouth, or like old, weird... Monster, yeah. Yeah, monster teeth. But they, and I'm sure that they were current, they were um, custom-made at the time, mm -hmm. but they look like anything you could walk into a special effects or, effects or magic shop and buy today. The teeth are not the scary part, in my opinion. The, the scary part is that this clown is going to bite the child. I would rather not have any teeth or just slightly exaggerated teeth or barring those, the teeth from the miniseries. Putting more teeth in doesn't make it scary. And if you, for me, if you put it CG, you are just phantom menacing me. You're saying, or phantom menacing or even special edition. Remember the, remember most Eisley? Now it has a robot that carries a beam and he punches another robot. Who gives a fuck? Why are you showing me that? That does nothing to enhance the drive-by of the speeder bike. When you have, um, and you and I know we're gonna talk about this, the crafting of a suspenseful scene. If anybody has been any sort of participant of pop culture, whether you've read the book or seen the miniseries, you know that this child gets killed by this clown in the first scene. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Even if you've never seen or read it, you know what's going to happen. If you've seen a horror movie before, you know this kid is going to get fucked up just by the way the movie is starting, right? Yeah. He leans over. They have a discussion. We, as grown adults, know that there should not be a clown in the sewer. So we know this is not going to end well. Yeah. We can see now because they put a visual cue in of CG eyes, we know that the clown is not what he seems. But we're already supposed to know that, right? Right. Georgie re reaches in. We know that's it. We know he's fucked, right? Yeah. You could cut to black there and continue with the movie. See, and, and, and I'm not saying you should. Right, right, I'm just right. saying you can and you know what happened. Absolutely. But I think that point I definitely agree with later in the movie because there were a lot of moments... Uh, there are a lot of moments that I felt did not know how to get out of the tension that they had built. It mm. did not know how to cap off a scene. I thought the teeth, the brief showing of the shark mouth before he bites the kid's arm off was such a great, oh, shit, like this is something different. What the fuck was that? And even though you're expecting him to bite the kid's arm off, I'm not expecting shark mouth. I'm with you there, and I would have pardoned that the way I pardoned the Stranger Thing mouth. But were if you, it didn't happen five more times during the course of the movie. So I think there's a lot of things that, in hindsight, you can go back and be like, I didn't like it, I didn't like it, I didn't like it. But when you first saw the movie... That scene was effective. You weren't out yet. No, no, I was in. I okay. was in. Because, like Rumi says, after he bites the kid, the kid falls back away from the sewer grate, and you can see he only has one arm. Oh, there's yeah. ragged blood Bleeding and shit. everywhere, yeah. Then there is a bird's eye shot 
of the kid crawling away from the sewer and an impossibly long clown arm starts to creep out. I was very in by that. I don't know that that was in the book. I know it wasn't in the miniseries, but that looked cool. Yeah. It wasn't a super loud, scary noise. It wasn't shooting at the camera. It wasn't shooting in a uh, shutter stop motion where it looked like the ring. To me, and I'll revisit this in almost every scare I talk about, and I've watched a lot of horror, it and otherwise, in the last two weeks to, to, to check this. Yeah. A lot of horror movies show the menace happening towards another character. Yeah. Lately, I feel like the menace happens towards the audience. And to me, even if I'm the only person in the world that feels this way, I think that's ineffective. It's, it's garbage. And, and this is funny because like, we're in a lot of agreement right now, but our end takeaway, like I still love the shit out of this movie, and you are definitely not on that boat. And it's, it's funny, though, because I can agree with all these things that I felt like this movie, and, and I guess we can get in, into this point, they did a great job of setting up scenes and building up moments, but once they got to the pinnacle of, like, well, what do we do now, they would just throw a clown at your face. Sure. And, and make a super abrasive, loud noise. That's and, my main argument. And that is not, that's bad. That's not horror. To I me, agree. that is, that is, that is a, a weak use. Doing it once, maybe even twice. Sure. Sure, that's scary. There were all these moments, like, he didn't need to chase you out of the room. He, you know, you were already there. You're already scared shitless. Mm-hmm just show the kid run away or cut to black and cut to the next scene. Or you could almost even play with it. If you the first two times you see it and he runs at you and scares you like that, you could have had a moment where, like, during the dairy balloon that floats up mm-hmm. in the sewers and it pops and you see it there. Right. And in the movie, he runs at the camera and screams again. That was the moment I was out. He could have just taken one step towards you and cut to sure. black. He didn't even have to move. Yeah. That scene in the movie, it's still the first act. Mm-hmm. The bullies are chasing one of the main characters. One bully splits off and looks in the sewer pipes. He's looking for the kid. Right. Some zombies and shit scare him, and he's get chased. He, they're chasing him. He runs into a dead end. Mm-hmm. When he turns around, a balloon. There's no zombie kids. Right. There's nothing in the. There's nothing in the to, to, in the in the pipe. Yeah. Except a balloon, a dairy balloon Which or something. Right. Fucking creepy. I agree. Except I think the balloon was CG. Yeah, I don't know why. Why the that has to happen? Like, what? You really can't fucking stage a goddamn balloon. I'll give it to you. The balloon either rises into frame or turns, and then it pops. When it pops, and you're you're looking through the this bully's POV at this point. Yeah. So it's, and I'm going to talk about this as well. It's either it's not. This isn't directed at the audience. You're either his POV or his line of sight. Right. right? So the balloon pops. And standing behind the balloon is the clown. Yeah. And it's probably, one, aside from the, 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 the Georgie murder in the sewer, that's the first time I think we've really seen a good shot of the clown. Full body clown, He's yeah. He's standing there. If it had cut there, to me, that's good. Because now, as the movie progresses, you show me the clown doing more stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's, as a movie moves on, you see the antagonist, especially if it's a horror yeah. or a monster, more and more. Like you said, you could have had him take one step towards the camera. You could have had him slowly smile. Instead, this movie did what I had already seen in a trailer for the movie in a different scene. It's scary enough as it is, but then they do the loud noise run at you. And it's not loud. It's a huge... And it has no context in the movie. It's not related to anything. 
and he runs stutter stop. It's that fucking ring run right at camera. It's just yelling and screaming and throwing something in my face. The thing is, and 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 the worst part about it is it works and it's cheap. It works because it's. Che- I have a theory on that. But. And I think they kept throwing it in. Like like I re- would really love to interview the director mm. and be like. When you did your first cut of your movie, how many of those were in there? Did sure. you put those in? Or right. did the producers go, I don't know, this scene just doesn't have a punch. Let's put a punch on this. Have them run at screen and scream. Let's put a loud noise in there. Great. But they did that every goddamn scene. Sure. Every fucking I scene agree. that this clown is in, he runs at camera and screams. But, again, for me, that doesn't kill the movie because I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out a, an analogy that I think I'm going to use throughout this whole talk. Okay. It's the pizza analogy. Mamma mia! <laughs> it's a good pizza. You know, pizza's damn good. It's really hard to fuck up pizza. And this movie had everything to make a good pizza. It had sausage, it had pepperoni. But to me, they kept doing something that, even though I might not be into that ingredient, I'm still okay with the pizza. I can sure. pick off that ingredient. Now, I know you love to put mayonnaise on your pizza. <laughs> I learned that in Canada from an Indian guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's fucking disgusting, even though I do like mayonnaise and I do like pizza. It's like, for you, they put an ingredient on that, that you cannot fix the pizza for. And for me, that would be mayonnaise. It's like, but, but there is no slathering. There is nothing that I can, can't take off of this pizza and still be okay with the movie. Okay. To, to piggyback on that analogy, I agree with that, and I think that's an apt analogy for what, what you and what's I a, think. What's a, a topping that you can't stand on pizza? Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, here. Let me, let me, let me say this. <laughs> See, <laughs> no. <laughs> of all the times I've made Rumi laugh, I don't think I've ever seen him laugh as hard as he's laughing right now. And I feel like that was a cheap, shitty joke. <laughs> yeah, that was the equivalent of running really fast and screaming at me <laughs> with a dick. No, I think, <laughs> in my opinion, to make your analogy mine, I agree with you. It's hard to fuck a pizza up, mm-hmm. right? I love pizza. Almost everybody loves pizza, at yeah. least a little bit. Even shitty pizza is still pizza. That being said, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Chicago-style pizza, that, like, three-inch thick pizza, it is still pizza. It can be good, but I would never order that given any other choice. Get out of my house. <laughs> he pointed out the door. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not bad. And it's like, for me to eat that, it's not painful. But to me, that's not what I think pizza is. And it's mm. not a matter of topping. Okay. It's a matter of changing the... It literally is changing the formula of what it is. So, so this came out of deep dish pizza, and you're like, yeah, it's fine, but it's, you know... Extra doughy. Exactly. There's but the problem dough, was, it was cheese. like Hollywood invited me over for pizza mm-hmm. and was like, dude, remember that pizza you like so much? We just made that again. And you're like, fuck, I love that pizza. And you're like, <laughs> to, to further it, like, scary clowns is a trope, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it started it, but it has to be the high watermark of scary clowns. Sure. So you're like, scary clown pizza, that's one of my favorites. And it is a classic. Then you go in and you're like, what is this fucking two-inch thick bullshit that has no sauce on it? <laughs> you know, like, that's that's yeah. how... To, your analogy is apt, and I think that actually might be a good way for us to understand each other through mm-hmm. this, but that's that's how I feel about that. 
It's interesting because if I were to write a review of this, you know, I would have all these good points. All my negative points, like to make a, make it a, a, a an even critique, all my sure. points were like, I love this, I love this, but all your points would be in there. I think it overused CGI. I think it overused cheap jump scares mm -hmm. and, and, and could not finish its pacing right. I think all those would be in there, but... For me, it didn't didn't burn the pizza. It didn't sink the movie. It, 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 to me, it did because I'm not. I, I've seen worse movies for sure. I've seen worse horror movies. It functioned as a film, and it even functioned as a horror movie. To me, I just think. Uh, well, I guess it didn't function as a horror movie to me. It functioned as a cheap scare that, I, in my opinion, couldn't even do that right. Uh, because and and uh, there's a million reasons why. But to 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 go back to specific things that we're talking about, there are scenes in the original It or the, the miniseries. Like, when John Ritter comes to town, he comes in a taxi. And as the taxi crosses the sign that says, Welcome to Derry, Pennywise is standing there with balloons. Just waving. waving. Yeah. He's not waving creepily. He's not running after the cab. There's no close-up of him. It's a POV of John Ritter, or from John Ritter's point of view, in the cab, looking out. It cuts back to John Ritter. As he turns around in his seat, there's a yellow balloon next to him. There's no huge music cue. There's no huge sound. That is effective. That's not the scariest scene in the miniseries. But to me, that works. I, th I think there's something, and you, you said this, the pacing and the building overall. I think, and, and I, I think in just general in horror, we have lost the craft of how to pace sure. and build to build to something big. Because it's like every one of these, each scene built to as big a climax as you could. Yeah. It, every single one built to so intense that it took away from anything that didn't top that. And it, right. and by the time you get to the end, though though I liked the end, I liked what was going on, it did not feel like the climax of the movie. The whole thing is an emotional ride. This looks like a heartbeat where it's like bing, bing, bing. Sure. With these scary moments that are super intense. Right. Maybe falsely inflated because ah, scream and run at you. And I feel that Hollywood as a whole, and this movie is a great example, has lost the art of the scare mm -hmm. because they're just trying... Because they, what they're trying to do, I think, is get that once or twice per movie scare every time. Every and the time. only thing they can think of to do is to yell in your face. When you use the term climax, it's interesting you said that because I was in, in my notes here when I was writing these last night, I was thinking about it as like, whether it's sexual or otherwise, but like a physical release of your body. Mm -hmm. Like... You get your muscles get tight. You get a little tensed up during yeah. those. You're supposed to get tensed up during those scenes. In the original miniseries, there's a multiple times where a character, be they one of the be the, them one of the adults or their children selves, yeah, a paranormal it like thing is happening to them. Mm -hmm. They try to escape it and they turn around to see it's not there any longer. That lets off a little of that tension because it scares you and your body jitters and then you're okay. Yeah. Like, for example, Beverly, the woman, goes to a house, talks to another old lady who has taken the house over from her father. And then starts getting real creepy. Creepy shit slowly starts to happen, right? And now here's, here's I could tell you right now what the new movie, I'll tell you what happened in the original, and then I'll tell you what the new movie would have done. Okay. It's an old woman. Mm -hmm. Beverly says, I need to go into your bathroom and freshen up. Yeah. She goes in there and she washes her face. She puts the stopper in the drain, and the drain, it shows the drain drip. Drip, drip. She looks into the mirror, and all of a sudden you hear the old lady go, are you fall asleep in there, dear? And Beverly looks at the sink. The sink is now filled with water, which, because this is now halfway through the movie, you as the, 
the audience are either like, is this it fucking with her and she was only there for a second? Or is she so freaked out she's been in there for an hour? For hours, yeah. Either way, creepy situation. The fact that you don't know is on purpose, I feel. Mm -hmm. And as the audience, you're like, ooh, I'm creeped out because I don't know what's going on. She goes outside and she talks to this old lady. They're having tea. The old lady starts slurping her tea really creepily. She got gross teeth. Beverly looks down at her tea and it's blood. Yeah. She drops it on the carpet, spills blood everywhere. The old lady doesn't seem worried about this at all and says, oh, don't worry, pretty little head, dear. I'll clean it up. She bends down and starts picking it up while saying creepy shit, right? Yeah. She looks up, and it's an old death mask of her father. It's a creepy-ass vision. We are seeing it from Bev's POV. He says the, the famous line of her father, I worry about you, I worry about you a lot. Yeah. She runs towards the door, and he chases her. He doesn't chase us, the yeah. audience. He follows her. We see these in, in medium shots where he tries to get her through the, like, as she tries to run out the door. She brushes him off. She runs out the door, falls on the, the sidewalk out front, and turns around, and we, we're worried about her. And as she turns around, you have that fight-or-flight instinct of, like, oh, fuck. You turn around, and the entire house is boarded up. Ooh. If they had that exact scene in this movie, let's just say for the benefit of the doubt they would have shot it the same until the old lady is picking up the bloody teacup pieces. When she looks up, first of all, it would have been CG. Mm -hmm. She would have dove straight at the camera in that same reveal shot, which doesn't, in my mind, even give your brain time to think about why it's scary. It's yelling in someone's face and screaming, and then it would have cut to Beverly running outside, to which she probably, again, would have something would have jumped in her face before relying on that shot of the, uh, the, the boarded-up house, if they even used it. And I feel like the first one is more effective, especially because later on in the miniseries, there are shots where Pennywise runs or screams or does something overtly aggressive. He doesn't overuse it. I mean, here's a good example. I think the scene where the Jewish kid, he's in his dad's office, the rabbi's office, and he's putting a book away, and he sees the creepy painting uh, with a, a distorted-faced woman with a flute, and he doesn't like it. You show that he doesn't like it. Sure, and that's he, done effectively. You can exactly. build up as well. He puts the book away, and he turns around. The woman's not in the painting, and he's walking towards it very slowly, and then they reveal behind him the hands holding the flute, and then the flute drops, and the noise makes him slowly start to turn around. Super effective. They're doing a good job. And he turns around, and the woman is there looking at him, and it is a freaky CGI, albeit, but a freaky image. Sure. And, and I think this movie over and over again did this thing where it's like, well, you know how to build. You just don't know how to get out of it. And the thing is, is you don't have to blow the lid off the room every single time. There's certain moments that I think you need to say, Throughout the whole thing, what what is what is the building action? And right. one of, one of my favorite moments, and I, I'd like to know what your opinion of was this scene was where they're looking at the slideshow, yeah. and they're doing the slideshow, click click click, and it's getting freakier and getting freakier, and then you see the clown coming out of like his mom's head, and then the lights went off, and when they come back on, the clown is gigantic coming into the room. That worked for me because it went to a place you didn't expect. It'd be one thing if the lights came on, he was just standing there. That would be freaky. If he was behind them, that would be freaky too. I liked that he was giant and in the room, and it was so gnarly. But because we had already had nine different scream and blow, blow the lid off the room things, I felt it took away from how powerful that could have been. Totally agree. With that one scene, yeah. that's the 
if I was going to write a paper about this movie, that scene would be the one that I would dissect the most. The only light in the scene supposedly is supposed to be from the projector. So they're sitting in a dark room, and it's showing the slide that they're looking at. Then it cuts to black, so almost the whole show, the whole movie goes black for a, a second, comes back up, and it's a picture of Bill's family. Cuts to black again, it's a closer picture. Cuts to black again, closer picture. So it's this strobe, black black strobe effect. Mm-hmm. Very effective. It's been used before. Well, and, it and, works. And the... The audio cue for it even helps. Like click, 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 yep. click, and that's yep. you know that's really effective. And it totally works. The click, click is almost reminiscent of like a like a type of heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It starts to speed up. It gets scary. Fucking scary. Yes. If it didn't have so many other problems where I feel like it was stealing from shit, I would think that's effective. But that is literally the entire premise of the movie Sinister. Is that scene? Well, here's here's another point. My my, my wife brought this up. She's like, because I. I really like this scene in the movie. I think it was very, very effective. And it was the moment that I went like, whoa, pulled me back. You know, I, I reacted to it. But my wife goes, yeah, but we already saw it in the library when the kid was flipping through the book. And if I flipped the page of a book and it was like a frame later in a, the exact same picture, I would close the book and toss it away. I'd be like, boring. Like, they shouldn't have done that in the library where the kid kept flipping pages. Because it's essentially like the same type of scary device. It's the exact same. Sure, sure. Yeah. Ben Haystack. is in the library. Haystack. Haystack is in the library, and he's flipping pages in a book, and each page he turns, it's essentially the same picture. It's just a little bit closer, and it zooms in on a kid's head that has been lodged in a tree after a, a plant explosion. They didn't need that whole gimmick if you're going to use it later. He could have just turned the page, and there's a picture of a decapitated kid's head. Mm-hmm. That's shocking enough. We didn't need the extra sure. the extra buildup to that, especially if you're using it later. It's a great device, but in a book is not as effective as a slide machine. Sure, sure. And I, I agree with that, which just, again, proves why I don't like it, because not only do I feel it's ripping off and not paying homage to, not using the same ideas, it's ripping off other movies, but like it, it can't even rip it's off r- one movie at a time. It's ripping it's, itself off, too. And like I don't think I'm a genius. Just have it be regular Pennywise. It's like the ring, but big. There might not be anything wrong with that. The first most glaring thing to me was how bad the CGI looked there. The way I can describe how it looked to me, and now this might be my mind just hating on it after the fact, but my first impression in the theater was that it looked like a Thunderdome album cover. Do you remember those? (laughs) That's what it looked like. He had very big, and again, to be fair, I saw this a week ago, and I didn't take pictures, but like, and I'm sure we can find it online, but he had big, cartoony, scary eyes. His, he, because he was big, everything was exaggerated, and he was like, coming out of the screen. I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have had either a regular-sized person, which would have negated any of the CG bullshit, which in my mind means it already would look better, coming out or just have Peter Skarsgård standing in the room that's personally what I would have done or have Peter Skarsgård leaning out but but also I mean I don't think it's a very hard effect to achieve to build a small room and have the regular person come through it to I totally agree a forced perspective composite there's only four ways that you and I could probably brainstorm right now to do that scene practically you probably could even use a digital element to make Peter Skarsgård slightly larger instead of doing a whole CG clown cartoon come out. In yeah. the original, there are, there's, there's one scene 
where Georgie is a picture in a book, and he starts moving. That looked real. In the original, they're flipping through a photo album, and they see a photo that is a wide shot of a long street. And suddenly the photo comes to life. The photo doesn't, the photo itself stays the same, but instead of being a still, it turns into like a motion picture where yeah. Pennywise comes from a perspective. He's way back in the picture. He slowly runs like a human run, not a stutter step ring run. He runs back and forth, getting closer and closer towards the front of the perspective of the picture. He pops up to me, like up into the frame of the picture. To mm -hmm. me, that sells that effect so hard that he left frame for a second. Then you have the scare yeah. of him popping up. He yells at the kids from there, and then it cuts to a group shot of the kids holding the book, and his clowned hand, life-size, comes out of the book grabbing for them, and they close it. I've watched that scene at least a dozen times in my life. I've never once thought that any of it looked fake. I guess I just really liked the big size because that was like so unexpected that it definitely was scary and and it it I think was one of the most intense moments of the movie because it was like oh crap it definitely got a good reaction from the crowd yes I don't mind CG but I think it's overused it should be a topping it shouldn't be your whole pizza sure and and I feel like this movie used we way are getting pizza after this right yeah <laughs> way too much CG was used in this movie <laughs> being someone who works in the digital effect industry and and works with a lot of CG artists I just accept that it's you know it's how stories are made for for better or worse and it doesn't bother me when I see stuff I'm like oh, well I wish that you could have done that practically but you didn't so what am I going to do I can't change sure. that are you diametrically opposed to CGI I know we both came from a, a practical effects industry so I definitely like agree that it we have a defense for it but are you completely opposed to CGI. No, there's plenty of times where you need it. There's plenty of times where there's no other way to do a certain effect. Mm -hmm. And I could piece by piece say, well, just cut that entire effect. You don't need it for the sake of the film. Mm -hmm. Or do it. But if you're going to do it, you should do it as best you can. Now, I understand just like practical, just like hiring an actor, yeah. there's a budget and a time constraint involved. You can't do everything you want. But I, I don't feel that, yeah, a, a lot of these things did not need to be CGI when you could have done it for the exact, probably the same price. Again, if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go watch that yeah, movie. I mean, come on now. Even we saw it, and I hated it. Um, but <laughs> there are times in this movie where CG should have been better, and there are times where CG shouldn't have been used. like The balloons. I mean, balloons. Peter Skarsgård in the clown makeup, standing still. They had CG elements of him standing you're telling me you couldn't just fucking shoot him? You couldn't just fucking shoot him? Here's what fucking happens. And and I don't know if this is true. I'm trying to wrap my head around why he would be, why his clothes would be CGI so often. And part of me is he had a different costume and somewhere down the production line, they were like, we don't like that. Let's change it to a different costume altogether. And so they used CGI to fix it, but it is a detriment because it makes you, you will always be able to tell that's some, some fake, something fake is going on there. But here's the weird thing is, to this movie, it was a detriment, whereas I feel to, you watch a movie like War of the Planet of the Apes or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you know all those apes are fake, but it's a fucking great movie because it's the one element, you give it to them, you sure. accept that they're going to be fake, and it doesn't distract you from it. Whereas you're watching this movie, and you're like, why are his clothes CGI? Why, why is that happening? Your mind is playing with it, but it can't, like, if the whole movie, he was just CGI the whole thing, I would be able to accept that more if it was trying to sell me 
all these different parts where sometimes it's real and sometimes it's fake, but there's no explanation for why it's fake. They didn't turn into snakes. They didn't do anything that required it to be so, so it just stands out as a, what, why are you doing that? And that, that was my main... If you broke my main dislike of this movie into like three or four parts, why are you doing that would be one of the huge parts. And why you're doing that is usually a CG element. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time where Eddie, the nerdy, asthma kid, is running away from the creepy house, and it is standing there with a bunch of balloons in front of his face. You can see part of this in the trailers. Yeah. The balloons it's like a pyramid go, of balloons. Yeah, the, the balloons go up, revealing his face. We're tight on his face for most of that interaction. Mm-hmm. They do an effect digitally where the background is kind of like pulsing. Why? Why can't he just fucking stand there? A clown menacing a kid is scary, especially if we as the audience and the person being menaced in the movie know that this clown is responsible for child murders. There's no question in anyone's mind. Why does the house behind him have to pulse? You don't think that's an an enhancement of an otherworldly moment? You don't think that that just adds another layer of... No, well, to me, personally, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that is it is a device that doesn't work ever. Personally, it did not work. Later in the, in the movie, we see him dancing, and the background is, again, first of all, the background itself, I believe, is comprised of CG, or at least CG elements. Mm-hmm. It's also moving and pulsing digitally, his body is dancing, but his head is digitally frozen. Like, they, they it's tracked, digitally static. They tracked everything to his head. So his head stays still, but everything moves around him. You don't need, in my opinion, you don't need that. In the original miniseries, there is a scene where grown-up Richie yeah. is at the library. He just got back to Derry. He's trying to find the rest of the group. He's asking for Mike. While he does that, he's scared. He sits down. And he notices all these balloons. They start floating down. No one else sees the balloons. Yep. That is scary. The balloons start to pop, spraying blood everywhere. He's the only one that's noticing this. No one else. People getting blood all over their face. They don't react. That is scary. Then he hears it taunting him from the second floor of the library. He could look up and see it. It is holding a newspaper. and Pennywise, not it. Pennywise. Puts the newspaper down and is yelling to him. It's telling old, corny, vaudevillian jokes. It leans over and he says, you'll die if you try. He doesn't scream it. There's no digital elements. Nothing comes at Richie Tozier. Nothing comes at us. It's scary. That specific scene is where I'm off in the miniseries. Really? It's too, che- it's too flat. It's so flat. The balloons popping, blood everywhere, it works. That is, to me, one of the examples where I'm like, the clown is just being so cheesy, it's not scary. The clown is not menacing, and 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 maybe maybe there's there's a split there where it's like sort of the jovial menace, whereas in the new one I felt like there's that jovial menace where he's like dancing around and being silly, right? But you're like, what is he about to do? In the in the original miniseries, the jokes that the clown does is he's just being a clown telling jokes, and you know that he has the capability of murder, but he never does anything that is menacing. He doesn't come over and rip somebody's arm off. He doesn't run at you. He doesn't. There's nothing scary added to that. It's played pretty flat, and I felt that, especially in the library, it was just obnoxious. 
I can understand that. I think the original miniseries has a nostalgia because we saw it way too fucking young and it scared the living right, shit right. out of us. Because <laughs> if you're too young for that movie, it is horrifying. Sure, sure. I think watching it, when I recently saw it again, my wife and I watched it, and I was like, this has some really cool moments in it. I mean, Pennywise is great in it. He does a great job. I think there's a lot of moments that are flat, but... Tim Curry is, am- is amazing. I mean, pretty much everything Tim Curry does, he brings so much character to and is just such a great character actor that he does a good job in that movie. But overall, I was like, man, this is a really slow, weird, boring miniseries with a couple moments that are pretty freaky. After that, we finished watching that miniseries. I went out in the alley, and there was a tiny circus tent in the middle of the alley. Like, for children, a tiny circus tent. I kid you not, I have a picture of it. That's so cool. <laughs> I was walking the dog, and I was like, what the fuck nope 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 ran inside and was like peeking out and it's like somebody was throwing away like a children's circus tent but somebody had set it up in the middle of the alley you don't think peter skarsgård was in there dancing like an asshole (laughs) Um. what did you think about peter skarsgård as a pennywise the clown i'm glad that you asked me that because you know me and you and i it's actually it's almost like i'm glad for our relationship that we're Mm -hmm. having this discussion about this movie because lately we've liked a lot of stuff together yeah whereas usually i feel like we don't like the same things and it's usually me not liking something and you liking something but, yeah um we've had some great debates and arguments and even fights about <laughs> shit that we like <laughs> don't like going into this it is one of my favorite horror books mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite mini series i think it's very important in the pop culture of horror that we have grown up with you you know you and i our generation for it to be remade, I'm already like suspicious. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean a new it? Then you start seeing the pictures. Pennywise, part of the reason I thought Tim Curry Pennywise was terrifying is because without him saying or doing anything, he looks like a regular clown. Then he's the first time you see him, he's in a sewer. Clowns should not be in sewers. Yeah. And I feel that that is what that was one of the main things that was scary about him. In the new one, the first time you see Peter Skarsgård's face on the marketing, you're like... He looks like an evil clown. There's nothing that looks different from any of the thousand evil clown movies that have been made since the original It. But I really, and I feel like, unbiasedly, I did a really good job of trying to go in there without holding anything like that against the movie, the new movie. Um, And I was like, you know what? It looks cool. It does look creepy. And if it was an evil force clown, maybe that's what he would look like. I like that it was different. I wouldn't have liked if they just did the Tim Curry makeup again. I definitely agree. It's like, well, you're pretty on the nose with evil clown. But that aside, right. I thought he, as a character, was really, I really loved the way he played it like an animal. Like I agree. He would talk normal, but then start drooling because he's so hungry for these children. Yes. And that was fucking freaky. And then... When he started getting really excited, his eyes would start to get wonky and like yep. start doing a, like a pug thing or like a Boston Looking Terrier. They look opposite at, directions. And I thought that was fucking awesome. Totally And agree. then he'd get back on focus and focus on the kid. Fucking freaky as hell. Right. Now, you asked about my feeling of CG. Mm-hmm. I don't think Peter Skarsgård, the actor, was making his eyes look in two different directions. No, that works, though. Agreed. Totally. It was a good visual to show us that there was more there than just a clown. Mm-hmm. It was well done. And it was subtle. Yep. That was a win. That was good. I'm, I'm fine with that. The movie's still doing well. So it's obviously effective to some sort of, some way. It's ve- it's And we saw it in a packed house and packed everybody house. was cheering. Everybody it's, was <gasps> gasping, it's screaming. One of, I mean, it's the highest grossing horror film for this, like, uh, summer release. 
It had a huge opening weekend. It beat Deadpool as far as opening weekends go. Um, you know, despite you not liking it, do you think it's still good for the horror genre? Or do you think it's just going to perpetuate more of the jump scare shit? Perpetuate. It's, I mean, without, almost without a doubt, I think scientifically it's only going to perpetuate because they did it and critically and financially it's working. Yeah. So why would they change that? But I guess it begs the question is, has the definition of horror evolved? Like horror as a film, as a genre, has it changed and evolved since you and I were, let's say, eight years old? Every genre has evolved since then or changed. Well, but I don't think we would have ever had the term slow burn to talk about horror if it wasn't for there was a time when you could appreciate a movie that built to something. The movie The Witch. Um... The movie It Follows, yeah. uh, The Babadook, Get Out, are all these movies that start at a slower pace and then ramp up to an insanity that is horrifying. And to me, those are all examples of, you know, we could get into each one of those movies in their own episodes. Those are slow burn horror movies that, that pace themselves well enough to end in a way that you're just like, holy shit, like The Shining. Starts out yeah. very slow, punctuated with these crazy moments, and then, holy shit, the ending. Ah, Horror in general nowadays does not understand how to pace itself to build into something. And I'm not saying every horror movie has to be a slow burn, but horror in general has evolved into this something that is trying to be so fast-paced at all times. Correct. And continually at this high watermark of intensity that you cannot maintain and still have effective scares. I would take it even a... A step further, and this is my feeling, is that the idea of what a horror film needs to do has changed. It's become and the haunted house. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. And now, whether you want to say that's like evil Hollywood companies who just want to make a buck, or anyone who's paying attention to the reactions in the theater. Because part of the reason I was so angry, because I'm looking around at everyone else in the movie, and I'm like, that's not scary, you assholes. They're just yelling in your face. And you're reacting. And I feel like, to me, the movies, the horror movies of today are now catering to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wonder now if you made a movie like, let's just say, Halloween. The original Halloween, not the Rob Zombie. The original Halloween. If you literally remade that, shot for shot, would that film still be as effective as the original Halloween would? Or has the movie-going audience gotten, I don't want to say more sophisticated, but has the the wants and desires changed where that movie would no longer affect that audience. It doesn't affect them. Our attention spans have gotten so short that we need that constant stimulation, that constant cattle prodding, like, hey, guys, be scared now. Now be scared. Yeah. I think there is a lack of empathy that comes with going to a movie and being involved in a story Sure. that doesn't constantly... For, like, why, why do we constantly have to be reminded and told exactly what's happening in a way that is, is almost pandering? Like, at the end of the movie, he walks over and finds a yellow raincoat. That yellow raincoat, we're like, that's Georgie. Nope, has to open the raincoat and see his name in it. We have to be told and reminded. In my notes, I wrote... Like, uh, of the bullet points I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. one bullet point just says, I'm not stupid. Don't put Georgie's name on the coat. On the goddamn <laughs> coat. But I think all movies are doing that now. All television shows are do you doing think that we now. as an audience need that? Like Absolutely Like, the average not. person? Fucking no. So do you think the average person needs a CG thing yelling in their face to know 
that they are supposed to be afraid a now? Absolutely not. I think the CG thing yelling in your face is a, is a very effective way to punctuate a scene, but if you do it every time, it doesn't work. And I think all horror movies are are stuck in this, well, it worked once, so we have to keep doing it. You look at it like a, a, a good like a Nightmare on Elm Street. And these are good examples because there's all these moments with very creative punctuations sure. that are never that loud. I mean, they're always creative ways to dispose of a character in a twisted, messed up way while Freddy laughs his head off. Yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite of the Nightmare on Elm Street series is, is Dream Warriors because it was the most creative. And there are definitely some very weak moments, you know, budgetary-wise or creativity-wise. But the most creative of the scenes. The scenes where the kid gets his arms cut open and he turns into a human puppet. Yeah. I mean, that is super gnarly. It builds up. You can't do anything about it and it gets tossed off the top of a building. Super great moment. One of the best in the entire franchise. We don't have those anymore. Yeah, and it's weird because I feel like the thing that you just said, at no point is there a jump out scare in that whole sequence, right? Mm -hmm. From the time that... Nightmare on Elm Street has... Almost no jump out scares. Which is, it's interesting that I feel like Hollywood right now, to overgeneralize, relies on almost, ex like this movie, in my opinion, it almost exclusively was jump out scares. Here's, here's a good example. So every, every Halloween, uh, Kate and I and some friends, the Curtises, we go to Halloween Horror Nights. We fucking love it. We buy front of the line passes, spend that money. If I want people yelling in my face, I'm going to do it, right? Ching, ching, ching. Yeah, spend the cash. Flip, 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 flip. <laughs> but haunted houses have even gone downhill in the sense that right now they're just people movers. We're trying to get as many people through sure. as possible. Right. And every 10 feet, somebody's just going to loud noise, jump out, scare you, bright lights. And it's fun. We have a great time doing it. But when I was a kid, I went to a haunted house in Indiana where they have a shit ton of space. It was called Necropolis. When was this? I was like 12. Okay, so a, lot, a while ago. We're old. And that was the best haunted house I've ever been to. And granted, it had the space to do it. And even though there were a lot of people there, they had the time to let you do it. When you go to Universal Horror Nights, right. they it's a line. You are walking in a line like a centipede going all the way through this haunted house. And, right. and sometimes the person in front, like 10 people in front of you is getting scared and you don't get the scare. Right. And the environments are cool and it, and it works. It's a haunted house. I'm scared. I'm having a good time. But this haunted house, Necropolis... I'll tell you two scares that worked the best for me. So good. One, you turn the corner, and it's a long hallway. It's dark. It's, it's a pretty plain hallway. But at the end of the hallway, this guy peeked around the corner and just looked at us and then walked around the corner. Mm -hmm. And now we're scared shitless because we're like, we know he's there. Right. You're coming to that corner. You're waiting to go around that corner. Is he going to jump out and scare me? Is he going to be there? We got to the corner. Nothing's there. It just went into the other room. But it was so effective. I just, I will never forget practically crawling down that hallway being so scared because, hey, I'm here. See you in a second. Yep. And him not being there was such a great reveal. And it was the anticipation. And I think people do not have the patience to have an anticipation scare. Another room in that, in that haunted house was they built like a movie theater. Like it's rows and rows of people, but they're dummies. But oh, you, yeah, you told me about this one. Yeah, you know, you know one of them's going to jump up and scare you. Sure. And you're just waiting which one's going to do it, which one's going to do it. Misdirection, buildup, anticipation. 
the guy in front of you get to almost the last row. The dude dude in the last chair pops up, scares the shit out of us, walks away, and you're like, oh my god, that guy scared the shit out of us. Suddenly, the the screen, the movie screen bursts open, and the guy who has been on the screen just going like ah, and like with a chainsaw comes out of the screen at you. Mm-hmm. Just it was like a, a trap door, and he must have had like a two way camera to see where we were. Yeah, because. Like the movie screen was projecting just a guy like on there just going da, 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 like waving a knife around and then he jumped out of the screen at you. And that was insanity, a double packed whammy. But the buildup and the the engineering mm. is gone. Nowadays it's like, well, what's scary? Uh clown. Okay, how do we scare you? I don't know. What would scare you? People jumping out like haunted houses that we see. It's like there's no engineering, there's no anticipation. There's no tension. It just is a jump scare. Yeah. And, that's, and I don't know why that has become what horror is. It's either that or extreme gore. I think torture porn has like set us back. I agree. 20 I, years. And I, but we could do a whole episode on that. And I fucking called that Saw 1, Saw 2. I knew that the whole genre, hostile, I knew the whole genre was going to go there. Knock on wood, I feel like we've come back a great yeah. deal from there. Yeah, we're pulling back. I do feel that those torture porn, hostile and stuff movies have taken the genre back. Because as a result of Scream and everything from that time frame, horror became like a legitimate motion picture genre again. Mm-hmm. Even Maybe not even again. Maybe it was more legitimate after Scream than it had ever been. Maybe hearkening back to like the Universal Monster days, but like Scream made horror movie like, wait, you can watch a horror movie and, and enjoy it as a film and be a grown up about it. Yeah. Then I think torture porn kind of set us back a while. I feel like we have come back a long way since then, but still, like you said, the art of a scare has been lost. I feel and, like... And and the first scene in Scream is one of the greatest examples of how to build attention, how to build sure. that tension. We're not taking notes from what made it scary. We're not studying the architecture of it. We're just studying the end result. And the end result is you open the door, Ghostface is there, the music has swelled, and he is chasing you. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing we've... So for some reason, that seems to be the only thing we've taken away. And here's one of the things. You look at all, almost every movie that has had a moment in the spotlight, horror movie or otherwise, and it's like this director's either first attempt or second attempt. And we don't have any masters creating their craft. And I think the only mm. people I can point to that are, that are masters of horror still, like where are the John Carpenters? Yeah, yeah. You know where are the Wes Cravens? And it's like, who? What big horror names are still making movies? I think Neil Marshall is one of them. He had made a couple decent horror films, and and but has gone on to do bigger epic things. He 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 did Descent. He did Dog Soldiers, which I love. I think are great movies. Doomsday. Doomsday. Fucking love Doomsday. Doomsday is fun as shit. It just yeah. it's all over the place, kind of. But it functions as a film. It does what it's, it's trying to do. It's an adventure movie. But then he did a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes and has kind of shied away from horror. Mm-hmm. Who else is making horror? Eli Roth. I like one of his movies. Agreed. I don't think he's a master of horror. Which one? I like the first Hostel. But. Wrong. <laughs> Cabin Fever was the correct answer. No, that movie sucked donkey dick. What are you doing? <laughs> that, that movie, Pancakes, Kids Screaming Pancakes While Doing Ninja Flips, I was out. I was out at that moment and we're not even ten minutes in. Like, just almost on the other side of the mirror. Like, to me, the fact that I'm sure for the same reasons that you are out then, I'm in. I'm glad the 
it was a non sequitur. I'm glad, glad the movie was not about that per se. But I thought that was a movie that wasn't necessarily breaking any new ground in anything, but it updated it and made it a little bit interesting. And I thought it worked. I thought it was really gory without relying on the gore, which is, I felt like, what Hostel started to do. Uh, I forgot he even did Hostel, but I hated Hostel. I, I, I think Hostel was a terrible... I think Hostel was a terrible injustice to the film industry, but if, as far as movies that I saw and was like, all right, like that was the only one of his, and I still thought that was weak. And, and now he's considered like one of the masters of horror. The Saw guys, James Wan, I mean, he's considered a master of horror. And yeah, the Saw movies were good, but they keep making the same like Cracker Jack box movie with like the Insidious films or like the same producers and writers. Like they've created a formula that pumps out a movie and they all seem to be in the same vibe. We don't have enough movies that craft it well. I think The Witch did a great job. I think Get Out did a good job. I think It Follows did a good job. It was too long. But there's something to be said for that slow and steady pace that builds to something that lasts with me. Yeah. Whereas I'll forget about the jump scare, something like The Exorcist that built to something so fucked up I'll never forget it. One of the people that we went with to see this it was our friend Zara. And because I was fucking irate, a bunch of us, we sat around with some ice cream and we were bullshitting um, at the Galleria afterwards talking about it. And Zara was one of them. And she said that one way she looks at a scary movie is what scared you the night of, what scared you about it the next day, and what scared you about it a week later. And I think that's kind of like a real smart way to think about movies in general, but especially horror movies. The original It still scares our generation to this day. Now, you're right in saying that when you see something certainly has a, uh, an impact on how it imprints on you. Yeah. And as a 35-year-old man, I might be lessly, less or at least differently impressionable than I was when I was like 10. But nothing in this movie scared me that night. Certainly nothing did the next day. And nothing did the, a week later. I know as a kid watching the miniseries, Later, the part that I thought, when I first watched it, when I remember when it first aired, the first miniseries aired, I must have been eight years old then, seven or eight years old. My dad was watching it on TV, and I came in when Bill was looking through Georgie's photo album and started talking and moving to him, and he threw it, and it bled all over the floor. Mm -hmm. I ran into the other room and turned a vacuum cleaner on so that not only would I not see it, I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so wow that was very effective the night of how scary do you think the 2017 one is to a seven or eight year old that's the thing i bet you it's scary i bet you a seven or eight year old let's say eight years old i bet you if an eight-year-old saw this movie they'd be scared but two years from now would they remember any specific scene yes, absolutely you think so? absolutely because they haven't seen all the stuff that it borrowed from they didn't see all sure, that so that's they, a smart argument for i that. think this is relentlessly scary relentless because it's constantly mm. screaming and being in your face. I think if you're too young, if you're on the younger side, if, if you're a kid who, if I showed you the original Frankenstein, James Wales Frankenstein, you'd be like, boring, it's yeah. black and white, this it's old, it's long. This would scare the living shit out of you. Sure. It is relentless. It may not be, you know, that may be cheap, but I think as a horror movie, it is going to be super effective to many generations of people who are younger than us. I mean, maybe... Maybe we're more refined with our pinkies up when we when we talk about a, a you know a movie like The Exorcist that we think is fine, and we may put our noses up because it's not the right kind of pizza, you know. <laughs> fuck that deep dish <laughs> stuff. But I think to most people watching this movie, they're like eating this pizza up right now, 
Clearly. I mean, there's no debating that. I can call everyone who likes this movie an idiot, which, for the record, I'm not. But there's a lot of people liking this movie. People are loving the shit I am out of this the movie. Minor- I, I believe I am the minority yeah. of, of opinions about this I, movie. I'm surprised you liked it as little as you did. Well, to me, it's just, it, it's to, again, to go back to that pizza analogy, which is pretty apt, is like, that's not pizza to me. There's no debating that that thick-ass, deep-dish, Chicago, deep-deep-dish pizza is pizza. That's pizza. But I don't want to eat that pizza. That's not the pizza I like to eat, you know? May, I mean, food. that food is a good analogy for that. Think of it in any way. But, like, that is not horror to me. Are you going to see the sequel? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, I, I could say I'd have to think about it again. Part of me is a completionist because now I've only theoretically seen the first chapter of this stupid movie. I need to see the second one. But the other half is I honestly don't know what that would be like because I feel like the adult and, – and, and I actually have some concerns with what they took out and changed for this movie, this It movie, outside of that I think the scares are cheap and like stuff like that. When we that. come back, is Mike going to be – the librarian Correct. or is how it to be haystack? And that's a very important, though there's some very important thematic elements that have been changed now. I'm really glad that the, the, the 2017 version didn't have such a boner for a bike that wasn't explained. In the in the miniseries, they go on and no, on but yeah, but it, about his bike. Okay, let, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to at least throw in one line. That's a symbol. He has a bike that's it's got a symbol silver. In the book that makes sense. Yes. In the miniseries, they don't even like. No, the bike saves their lives more than once. Sure. And it is a symbol. It is a quote-unquote timeless antique that was important to them on multiple levels. And, yeah, it's definitely explained better in the book, but it was important to them as kids. When they bring it back up as an adult. I just adult, don't want an adult man montage bike riding moment. I agree, but that is the, <laughs> the miniseries way of saying, look, this bike is serving almost a literal bridge to the past, which is even more important in this story, or at least in the original miniseries as well as the book, because the adults have forgotten. They forgot all of these things that happened. They, it was not in their consciousness anymore until they re-entered Derry. The bike was like a key to kind of unlock Bill's memory. It does make me wonder what tiebacks, because the miniseries does a great job of, of lacing it all together, bridging it all together with, with tie-ins right, and throwbacks right. and, and the things that, that sort of weave the entire story together. Right, right now, this is a pretty complete movie, and there's no loose ends to tie up later right. other than a clown that may or may not be dead. Right. It, it kind of feels like they painted themselves into a corner storytelling-wise. I'm not saying they did it wrong or the next movie will be bad or good, but it seems like if you've done what you've done now, you've made choices that will affect the next movie. I feel like all the threads are tied off. Other than what happened to Henry Bowers when he fell down the well, is he still alive? He Correct. Come back? And, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. And is the clown dead, which we know the answer to. But there are no threads that, that That's could true, be... because now there's... Really, the way the other two stories were told, the miniseries and the novel, the two stories weaved together. Beverly knows that Bill wrote the poem and doesn't seem to care, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that gets tied up later in, in the in the miniseries. That gets tied up later as adults. There are a lot of things that get tied up later as adults. Yeah. And all those threads, I don't think, exist. Because this, this will feel more like a true sequel yeah. than the same story. Which may work, and really, back to your question of will I see it, 
that's why I want to go. That's I, as of this moment. That's my main reason is I'm curious. Yeah. Like I don't think it's going to be good. You're. I remember going into this movie. You told me that the way you felt about the miniseries was that the adult parts were the boring parts, and yeah. the kids part were the only good part. That using that rationale, which is not necessarily fair, but using that rationale, this was the good movie. You know what I mean? And I fucking almost hated it. I can't imagine what the second movie would be like, you know? It will just be like, to me, it would almost be like any other killer clown movie in Blockbuster. Here's what I'm hoping. Blockbuster was a establishment that you could go with a special <laughs> card. and uh, <laughs> It was a library, but you had to pay every time yeah, you got... Yeah, pay a small fee to take a movie home or a Genesis Sega Genesis game for three days. <laughs> for three days. <laughs> and then you'd bring it back late and had to drop it through this little slot. And the slot was always behind the cashier, and he always made eye contact with you because he knew you were late. Yeah. He knew. He knew. Here's my hope: is I hope in the second movie the clown shows up and starts getting scary, but then the clown morphs into a greater threat, a bigger demon. I want to see the teeth monster. I want. I don't want it to be a giant spider, perhaps, but you know, I want to see it grow beyond what this is. Because right now, you you've ramped it up to eleven. How are you going to top that? I need it to be a such a big threat that only adults could handle it. Like Interesting, interesting. Like, I would love to see him be a John Carpenter's The Thing-level creature. Like, tentacles, otherworldly yeah. monster. If you see it, you go mad. Like, I okay. would almost love that to get to that scope and scale. Because otherwise, what are you just going to do? You're going to throw that creepy-faced woman at us a couple times with the flute? Well, can you even use those devices from this movie, assuming that we're not going to see this for at least another year or two? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, the question I had about that exact that exact thing was, how much of It Chapter 2 is going to be literal flashbacks to It Chapter 1? Yeah. Because I don't want to fucking watch a movie that's half of another movie. <laughs> you know what I, And I already didn't like this one. But then I suppose It 2 could be like, well, why did you come back? But, like, I agree. A tentacle monster It thing would be fine. At this point, you've changed and fucked up enough of this that I'm not against changing it. I'll give you the rope to hang yourself with. But if you show me an It <laughs> fucking tentacle monster and it's CG and it runs at the screen in stutter frame shrieking, I mean, I guess you still got my $14. Who's the asshole? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why do you hate the, the stutter stop ring thing? When I watch The Ring, it's good, it's effective, but it's not the end-all be-all of horror, which I think it was made out to be. That was when I watched The Ring. Every movie I've seen since then that just rips that off, I'm like, why are you ripping off this movie? You could have just had Peter Skarsgård slash CGI clown run at the screen like regular running in this movie, and I still wouldn't have liked it, but to, again, rip off another movie for a device that has been overused in horror as a genre for the last 15 years... So for you, it's like it's like the horror equivalent of bullet time for action movies. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. The Matrix exactly. did it, and then everybody fucking did it. Exactly, but I, it stopped. Remember, they don't still do it. No, they don't. I remember the moment that, for me, bullet time died. It's when they did it in a TGI Fridays commercial. <laughs> and you were like, I'm out. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. You did bullet time for, like, chips and dip falling off a tray? So like, I'm, I'm, you <laughs> by that rationale, that imagine watching a Chili's commercial in which the waiter goes... <laughs> Here's your nachos. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd buy. I would run out and buy nachos right the fuck now. No, you'd fucking be high fiving over nachos all night. 
nachos. I love those nachos. Look, you see that? It was just like the ring and everything. <laughs> I'd run away from you that it, way. It, <laughs> it's so funny. It, I think it's so funny. So, so I think we're trapped in a weird phase right now. A very strange thing and stranger thing. I was going to say a stranger thing. A stranger thing did this, where it's like, hey guys, remember the '80s? Remember how awesome they were? Yeah. Remember ET? Do you remember Stand by Me? You remember Dungeons and Dragons? And they use that to kind of get us on board with a lot of the character aspects, which worked for Stranger Things. But I think we are trapped in a nostalgia loop right now. Hey, guys, remember yep. how the 80s were better horror movies than we have now? Yep. Remember that? Well, we're going to, like, pour that flavor sauce, that 80s flavor sauce, all over your fucking pizza. And even if it is a shitty pizza, you're like, oh, man, I remember that flavor. Yep. That was fun. And, and I think we rely way too heavily on that instead of doing new things. I would rather have a mediocre movie that tried something different than a movie that is just drenched in, hey, remember how good this other movie was or this okay. other time period? We are, I mean, I think as a country, trapped in a nostalgia loop. I mean, there's an entire, like... Make nostalgia great again. Yeah, make nostalgia great again. Yeah, we're nostalgic for something that probably didn't even exist. I mean, you go back to the nostalgia, and you brought up Halloween, and I brought up Nightmare on Elm Street. Go back and watch those movies. They are fantastic for my nostalgia, but as movies, they could be better. I'm I'm not going to defend... Yeah, well, they're not without fault, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not going to defend the original Halloween as being a phenomenal movie. It's slow as hell, and not like one person dies. I'd love to see a I little totally bit more. I totally agree with that. But that movie is still better to me than half the shit that has come out in the past 10 years. Yeah. Freddy Krueger has a lot of misfires as like like at Dream Warriors alone. The kid goes into his, into the dream world, he becomes a wizard and gets run over by a giant wheelchair, dumb as shit. <laughs> but at least that's more creative than half the shit that has come out that that's been trying to do something weak and ripping off other stuff that's already been done. It's tough because I want originality but I want you to do what I like well. So there is that sort of hypocrisy of it. I want you to be original. I don't want you to do the same thing you've done. Mm. But if you do something original and you don't do it as good as something that I want, like the stuff that I liked before it, then I'm mad at you. <laughs> right, and that's essentially, I guess, how I felt here. Let's say, for example, bullet time in action movies, right? Yeah. When you want to make an action movie, mm -hmm. you, if you make a good action movie, your audience walks out like you and I walked out of Crank. Like, punching each other, oh. wrestling on the ground, because Crank we're just so, so fucking good. hyped up, right? Yeah. It, Crank is not Shakespeare. It's not even Shakespeare for action movies. Nope. But it did its job well. Well. And it had some original things to it. Right. It was like, hey, I guess kind of remember the 80s, but also remember Stranger Things and remember these other movies. And I said, yes, and they did a great job of being like, look how funny and silly these kids are. Don't these kids get along well and rib on each yeah, other? Yeah, it was great. And in my opinion, the horror element was lacking. And I guess that's just where we differ. And it's, I, I think where we differ is such a, a, a fine line. I think it's, it's so subtle, because I don't disagree with any of your points. At the same time, for me, I was like, it did a great job of, of that nostalgia factor. It built scary moments very well like i was invested in those scary moments they didn't pay off as well for me the it movie did a good job of giving you certain things that were unexpected the clown being in the room very large the things that are good horror elements they just didn't know how to build off of that to 
to clinch the deal. Instead, they just like threw it in your face and made a loud noise. Mm. I think if horror went back and studied the anatomy of scenes, I just don't think they teach it anymore. Sure, I, w- I could subscribe to that idea. And, and maybe this is something we should do. Maybe we should find some of our favorite scenes and dissect them. The anatomy of horror scenes that, that the launch pad enjoys. I mean, I think it it's all comes down to patience, pacing, and tension. I feel, I, I feel like in general, that's the case about film as a whole. I don't feel like we plan as much. We pre-plan anymore. I feel like we're not thinking, okay, what are we going to make this scene like? What are we going to make this story like? It's like, let's just shoot as fucking much as we can yeah. because film is not film anymore. We can digitally shoot it cheaper. We'll fix anything we need to fix in post. We don't need to think about that shit too much. You know, it's like, I, I feel like the toy box for filmmakers have gotten so much bigger, which could be a good thing, but the thought has kind of gone out the window. But we're not making it smarter. Correct. It, that's the thing. It's allowed us to be lazy. Yeah, it's almost like GPS. Like, yeah. I don't really plan trips anymore because I have a GPS. I'll figure out how to get there, and if there's a problem on the way, I have GPS. I feel like that's how we make movies now. Like, make a left at editing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I feel like we've made so many movies that now there is a a cookie cutter that is followed to a T almost all too often. I don't know if that's good or bad. Bad. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, how often does that work? It works when you're fucking eating cookies. Then cookie cutters are awesome. Otherwise, why else would you need the quick fix of that type of bullshit? Because our brains are programmed already. We can't escape it. It's programmed to be a certain way at certain points in a movie. And if you deviate from that, we feel weird. Right. I, I agree with that. They're talking about the constructs of a film yeah. as a whole. You're right. And very few movies can break that mold and succeed. I think it was as good as I could have hoped for, for a killer clown movie. And in the end, was very successful for me. It hit all the notes that I wanted to, it to. And its failures did not overshadow what I considered to be a fun movie with with moments that I enjoyed. Yeah, see, I, I disagree. It, it, and I didn't even get into it yet, but one of the theme of the whole original story of It is like nostalgia itself and the innocence of childhood and not only losing that innocence, but revisiting that innocence from a state of adulthood where theoretically that innocence is lost. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing that always resonated to me as a fan of that story is these children went through a terrible ordeal. Yeah. Which, to be fair, in, in most of the, the original source material, they don't really remember a lot of it as adults. Mm-hmm. But, like, George, he remembers that his brother is dead. Yeah. He thinks, I think he kind of forgets that he was murdered, and he certainly forgets he was murdered by a clown. But, like, these kids went through hell together, and it made them love each other. But that was, like, the, that was their good old days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when, I don't when know. When the loser club was in full effect. Yeah, and I think the loser club itself develops this mythos of being this impenetrable force of friends who, in the book physically and in everything emotionally, love each other more than anything yeah. to the point where they can va- almost vanquish a demon age-old clown. force yeah. of evil. And they're looking back at some of those times being the best times of their life despite the fact 
that they were in danger and their friends were killed. Their family was killed. The movie had good moments. Just wasn't horror movie moments for me. And that might be the worst part of it for me. That might sum it up the worst is it could have been good. What would be your definition of like a cool car? Like if I said, Rumi, we're going to go on a road trip. Mm -hmm. Let's rent a cool car. Okay. Don't tell me yet. All right. But in your mind, you're thinking of. It's the Batmobile. Oh, wait, wait, I wasn't supposed to tell you. Which one? <laughs> Keaton Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's the only, that's the, the best one. Yeah. That's the thing, is like, that, that's good to, to narrow down the car analogy. You show up and it's the fucking Tumblr, or I show up and it's the Tumblr. I'm like, that is the least Batmobile out of all of the Batmobiles. Mm -hmm. But it's a Batmobile. I'm not saying it's not a Batmobile. It's just the dumbest Batmobile you could have done. You're like, oh, good, we're blowing up cars and bouncing off buildings. You know, like, Batman does? I'd be like, um, where do I turn on the AC and I press a button and you're ejected out the side <laughs> in a fucking a motorcycle <laughs> all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, who's driving? And you're like, Ruby, take the wheel. It's like, you took the wheel. You took the wheel in the goddamn motorcycle. And then I go careening off the ledge down the one highway. So that's what it was to me. It was like, I guess it's a horror movie, but I feel like it's the cheapest, most watered-down version of horror and on top of that, you did that to a movie that means a lot, to, or a property that means a lot to me, has already functioned twice, once as a book, once as a miniseries. And probably the worst thing, you had the right idea. If you had just put a little more thought, I don't know, what, I don't know if it's more thought, more thought, more time, or consulted me. Yeah, they just I needed to talk <laughs> to you first. It would have been fine. But like... It, all you, you know, we both agree that there were some good scenes that had some good setups, but couldn't get out of it correctly, or couldn't yeah. pay off that scare or the suspense. Yeah. If let's say there's six of those, if three of them had succeeded, the movie would have been stronger for it. Yeah. And I don't feel like you needed like a team of really expensive executives to figure out those answers. I mean, I'm just some asshole, and you're some other asshole on a couch right now. We could have made this movie better, and I think. I'm awesome and can fix anything, but, like, I could have changed those scenes, in my opinion, for the better. And not even big change. Do you think there is a fine line that made this not good for you and it could have been good? Do you think that line is very thin? Or do you think there's so many problems that, it's, that, that it would have been a mess? Again, to just analogy the shit out of this episode, it was a thin line, but it was long. You'd have to do less CG, which wouldn't have messed up the movie. It's not like... Avatar, like it or love it, you needed CG in that movie. You could not make that movie without it. You know what I mean? I mean, I know where jungles are, and I know what blue paint looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... <laughs> you, I've if you, seen... If you remade Avatar with no CG, uh, one, you would really have to remake it. Tora, Tora, Tora. Stay yes. in Pearl Harbor, but with miniatures, and it worked. I agree, and I would... See, to, to make now, a blanket I, statement, it's I would... funny. I'm now reverse I know you are. I know argument. you are. I would almost always choose a miniature over CGI. Almost always, because I like the way that looks better. It's more nostalgic for me. That, to me, means film, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't find the CGI a problem. I think just editing-wise, you could have made this movie better by just not... Like, just cutting just when... Cut a couple, scene, like a couple you, frames out. A, cut, cut a couple of screaming, yelling clowns running at you. Yeah, I agree. You're right. If you took two minutes out of that movie, it would have been made it better. Yeah. Uh, well, at the end, I loved it. You did not. We're still going to go see the sequel. I guess my last thought on this movie is that, yes, 
It floats. It all floats. Like a little poop in the toilet. <laughs> Flush. <laughs> I saw a hilarious thing on the internet today. It was a picture of Cousin Eddie from the Griswold Christmas mm-hmm. dumping the shitter hose from his RV down the down the sewer hole, and it is down in there going, <laughs> ah, like, screaming. That made me laugh. He's just dancing. <laughs> How awesome if Peter Skarsgård came in here and just danced. <laughs> I'd be scared. I'd be scared shitless. First of all, I'd be like, why is a Hollywood star in here? Why is he dancing? Please don't run and yell at me. <laughs> Peter Skarsgård, if you're listening, <laughs> do, you, do you just run at all your friends yelling at them? <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Ah! <laughs> all right, Remy, let's blast this baby off. Right. Let's go get some pizza. Let's <laughs> get some deep ditch. <laughs> no, technically pizza, but I don't like it. You can still put mayonnaise on it. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our it conversation. We are eating delicious pizza right now. Um, I got a giant, uh, <laughs> I got a giant deep dish. Pazuki. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pazookies. Those aren't even pizzas. Those are cookies. <laughs> Don't complicate this. <laughs> We're enjoying some delicious pizza right now. Yeah, that was our it conversation. So hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. And make sure you hit us up on the website. It's launchpadpod.com. You don't have to put the WWW in the beginning, but if you do... Trip dubs, y'all. <laughs> Grandma, WWW. <laughs> and we say dot, it's a period. <laughs> we love hearing from you guys. And if any of you right now are getting wet in the rain, someone left their jacket in our giant uh, sewer trash pile. Oh, wait. Luckily, there's a fucking name tag on it. I can tell you exactly who it is, even though I watched this whole movie where the fucking jacket keeps showing up on the same idiot kid, and it's the second time I've seen a movie about this property, and I also read the book, and I also saw all the marketing. Oh, wait, (laughs) the name tag on here says Papa John's. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually confused when the kid showed up without the raincoat. I'm like, who's that kid? He needed to have his name tag on his on his face. Hi, my name is Georgie. Georgie. One arm Georgie. <laughs> it was so confusing. It should have been the boat. Hi, you said it. It should have been, been the boat. the boat. Although that's the thing. I feel like if it was the boat, Hollywood would have been like, well, we need to write Georgie's boat on it, right? Yeah, right. He even wrote the SS Georgie on, on the, it. Yeah. I fucking know. I'm watching it. Yeah. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> we're gonna. We're about to dive into another three-hour conversation about this, <laughs> this movie. We all float. We all float. We all float. We all float. Hey, Pennywise, while I'm yelling, we all float. You run and trip over the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Be sure to come back in two weeks. We have another great episode for you. Not sure what it is yet, but it's going to be awesome. Check it out. We know it's good. We have a lot of good ones in the works. We got an interview with Carl Gottlieb, the screenwriter of Jaws. We're also going to interview our buddy Bart Mixon, who worked on a lot of the effects in the original It. We also have a couple more episodes that we've recorded. We're just editing and getting down the pike. Yep. I made Rumi watch Rick and Morty like we said we were going to do. Oh, yeah. And I'm 
that was a couple weeks ago. I'm now like halfway through watching it for the second time, the whole series for the so second time. Good. It is so good. What other episodes do we have that we recorded that we haven't released yet? We still have Nintendo original Nintendo episodes coming Godzilla down the pike. Episode. Oh, that's right. We have Godzilla stuff. We have a lot of episodes coming, so keep it tuned here. Uh, I got to give mad props to my Rocketeer roomie right here. He is doing all the editing. He's putting all the social media stuff up. He's killing it. So uh, he literally can't edit them fast enough. We're recording so much <laughs> stuff and doing stuff. And then we keep having these ideas like, hey, we just saw this stupid fucking clown movie. Let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, no, but really mad props to Rumi for doing all this fucking stuff. There would be no Rocketeer podcast. There would be no Launchpad without uh, my buddy Rumi here. So thanks, dude. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. We're having a blast doing it. We're so glad that you guys are enjoying listening to it. He's pointing at you. I know you can't see it, but everybody, he's pointing at you. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. <laughs>